Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back to the Live in the Dream podcast. Matt Scaletti here with a very special guest, Serafina coming from Toronto, Canada. And Serafina is a professional violinist with multiple degrees in violin performance. Playing violin since the age of three. Yes, you heard that right. Since the age of three. And piano since the age of five. She recorded her first album with her all-violin quartet called Zimra at the age of 12. She is a phenom if you haven't figured that out yet. Serafina has opened concerts for A-list artists, including, get ready for this list, Diana Ross, Kendrick Lamar, Usher, Gwen Stefani, Sarah McLaughlin, and more. She recently performed the world premiere of Serafina Violin Concerto, and that is a concerto written specifically for her, which we will talk about, but that is very rare and an incredible accomplishment right there. Serafina has amassed a huge social media following through her music and performances. She has released multiple singles and plans to release new music within the year. Serafina, what's up? Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Holy crap, what a bio. I don't <laughs> even know where to start. This is she's the most humble human being. We got a chance to chat before we recorded, and I'm so excited to dive into this. Before we get into anything, just for the listeners that don't know, since we were joking around about this before we were recording, can you tell us what a concerto is for those that may not know? Okay, so concerto is typically three movements, a song with we call it a piece in classical addiction. Um, so it's a piece with three movements, typically a soloist performing with an orchestra. Okay, so it's a yes. soloist performing with an orchestra. Okay, good. Now we know what that is. All right, <laughs> so let, I'm looking at your bio and I'm like, okay, she started playing at the age of three. I'm so curious and I'm sure <laughs> listeners are as well. Who put the violin in your hand and sort of walk us through at age three, how this all started? Uh, well, this is my mom's idea. I believe she saw an ad in the newspaper for violin lessons. And she was like, <laughs> well, I think this is a good idea. Um, let's get her started. <laughs> and so my mom, uh, she played piano when she was growing up, but she wanted me to be able to have an instrument that I could carry around with me so that I could perform and play, um, you know, not necessarily going into violin as a career, but just, you know, and if I was going to university or something, I could just have my violin with me and play uh, to like kind of as a relaxation, calming technique type thing. Yeah. I love that. And so she puts the violin in your hands at age three. Like my mom <laughs> wanted me to play a musical instrument growing up. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I regret that now. I wish I would Aww. have. But did you love it since the beginning or did you give some pushback to your mom as well? 
Well, at the beginning, actually, you don't start with a violin. You start with like a little, we started with like a little Cracker Jack box with a ruler on it. So I had a private teacher and my mom obviously had to help me at home because I was three years old. So the method is <laughs> called the Suzuki method. So she would, she started playing violin with me too. So she and I would both go to the lessons and she would help me at home like every day. So she helped you age three, like for many years she was helping you or at what yeah, point were you many like, years. and then you were, then you could just go off on your own after a while and say, I know what I'm doing, mom. I got this. <laughs> she played piano. So she would help me when I needed to practice something that had like a piano accompaniment sometimes. So she helped me probably until I was like 14. Okay. Yeah. And then she would also, she also helped me with my piano lessons because I was studying piano since I was five as well. Yeah, I can't believe you were playing at five. And we're going to get more into the violin side because I know that's what you mainly do now. Do you still play the piano or are you all in on the violin? Well, I don't really play that much piano anymore. Only when I really feel like I want to or, you know, if I have a student at the moment, I don't have any students. But when I have a student that needs a piano accompaniment, then I'll kind of like play along with them to help them. But that's pretty much it. I don't have a piano in my house right now. I have a keyboard and it's not as many keys as a full piano. So I don't really like to play it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so w- walk us through how you get to where you are now. And for those that do not know, Serafina is you've played in front of some huge audiences. I came across your Instagram page. You think you were playing at a Dallas Mavericks NBA game. So how do you go from learning to play at such a young age to where you are now? How did this all come about and this career sort of happen? (laughs) Well, okay. I was um, already at quite a high level when I was young. Um, I started playing at weddings when I was like eight or nine. So I've been playing, I've been playing for professionally for quite a while. And then I decided when I was going to go into university, I was like, well, I've been playing violin since I was three. So that would make sense. That would be the smart choice to go into violin. Right. But I also am really interested in languages and I wanted to do translation. So I already spoke French, not perfectly, but already spoke French. And I was like, oh, I really want to do like translation. So I got into both but I decided to go into violin performance. So I went to University of Toronto to study violin performance. And while I was there, I was in, I think my third year at the time of classical performance settings. Um, And I was out at a club, you know, with my friends and I met this drummer and the drummer was like, oh, um, you're a musician. You should like play with me at like clubs or events or something. So I kind of started doing that but my violin wasn't loud enough. So (laughs) no one could hear it over the music. Like, oh, you need an electric violin. So I got an electric violin and I started playing at events. I started like learning how to improvise because I'd never done that before. It's like playing electric violin, improvising, um, smiling at the crowd. It's very foreign to a classical player because classical music, you're supposed to be like, looking at the violin or you're like looking at the music you're not engaging with the audience at all and you're also not moving like you're not moving your feet you're just like in one spot so you can like play perfectly so playing electric violin was like completely foreign um but (laughs) 
I really liked it. And I loved like improvising and I loved going to events and performing events. Um, and I just kind of kept going with it. I did master's. Actually, my dissertation was on DJs performing with instrumentalists. Okay. Kind of like the rise of the DJ and that sort of thing. Because at the time, I was doing more like club DJ stuff, like performing over top of DJs. And here I am today. I met a bunch of people. I met um, my agent, actually. And I started doing uh, NBA games, which was super awesome. I love the energy that I get from the crowd. (laughs) Really amazing. (laughs) And um, yeah, just like love performing. And you can tell for those. And you know what? I was going to wait to say this, but (laughs) let's just throw it out there right now. Can you share what your social media is and I mean, I follow you on Instagram. I don't know if there's another place that you want to share, but mm-hmm. what you just said, how you perform and the passion and energy you bring, it's its unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. And I think that's why I was so drawn to, to you and how you perform. So can you share with everybody how they can follow along your journey and see what you're up to? Yeah. So my Instagram is at Violin. And it's S-A-R-A-P-H-I-N-A, violin, V-I-O-L-I-N. And that's also, if you want to find me on Spotify or YouTube or Facebook, basically anywhere, then you can just look for Serafina Violin and you'll find me. Seriously, follow along because it's amazing (laughs) what this woman does when she's playing the violin in front of a large group or small group, (laughs) I guess. I want to ask you about that, though, because you said the NBA games. Can you (laughs) tell us the story if you remember your first NBA game and how did it go? Was it it was a Dallas Mavericks game or where was the first one? Yeah, the first one was a Dallas Mavericks game. Um It's funny because I'd only done one college game before that, and that was for um, GCU in Phoenix. So that was the I'd only ever done like a local basketball game here for like the Canadian Summer League. And then I went to do GCU. And shortly after that, I did the Dallas game. And (laughs) when I was doing GCU, I was telling myself, okay, like, don't be nervous. It's only college. No big deal. Relax. And (laughs) then when I started doing, when I was going to the Dallas game, I was like, okay, I can't tell myself to relax because it's only college because this is now an NBA game. I just like need need to try to focus, be okay. And the thing is, um, before the games, there's actually like not a lot of like preparation time sometimes. So I think before that game, I had like about a week or two weeks. And that game, I was learning all these like video game themes because they did a special. So it was a special theme night type thing. So I did all of these, like, I think I did 20 video game themes in a row. And I only only heard like one or two of them before, like the Mario one. Obviously, I'd heard the Mario one. I know that one. That, that's, <laughs> because I'm not a gamer. Like I've, I'm you know, not either. Not yeah. at all. So these themes, um, I had someone mix it for me. So it was like all in a row. And I was just practicing this over and over, listening to it over and over. But, you know, it turned out really well. It was a bit stressful, I have to say. 
you had to basically memorize 20 theme songs that you didn't know prior to this within a week or two? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a, <laughs> it was like a six minute mix, five and a half minute or six minute mix. So that's usually how it goes. Like um, typically the NBA stuff is kind of last minute. So you just have to like really push yourself and <laughs> wow. get, it, get it done really fast. Yeah. You know what, though? This is so cool because there's so many takeaways in this <laughs> for everybody that's listening or watching. I know we were joking around about yeah. you saying this is not college anymore, but I'm sure there's some <laughs> there's some truth to that. This is the NBA. <laughs> How did you get yourself? Because clearly, clearly you did a great job. You've played at, at many NBA games. So how did you get yourself to remain calm that first time in front of a massive, I mean, 20 some thousand or more than that crowd? Right. How did you get yourself to be calm and perform at such a high level? <laughs> Well, okay. I think the first thing is I've been doing this for so long. Like I've been performing in front of large crowds of people, not that large, but like I've been performing in front of people since I was like three or four, you know, I have (laughs) pictures of myself, like performing for like Kiwanis festivals being adjudicated since I was really young. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing, typically before I perform, I, like a big show like that. I like to have a workout done during the day beforehand. So I'm more calm. I don't have like quite as much energy built up, I guess. And then I try to just like breathe through it. (laughs) (laughs) Just breathe, just breathe through it. Yeah, just breathe through it. Exactly. Because six six minutes, I thought you were going to say like 30 seconds, six minutes. That's a long time. I mean, you were up there for a while. Yeah. That, um, Usually the half times are between like five and six minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, oh yeah. That you performed at a halftime. Is that when you've done other NBA games, is that the typical performance is halftime? That's when you perform? Yeah, typically halftime. But actually the last time I played for the Warriors, it was um, on December 23rd and they don't do a halftime anymore or they weren't at that, at that point. They were doing um, performances between the quarters. So I performed during the first quarter. So that was a lot shorter. I think that was like a minute and a half or something like that. Yeah. Wow. So and yeah. for those that do not know, the Warriors are the reigning NBA champs. So it's not yes, like you're are. playing for a slouch. You're playing for the best team <laughs> in the NBA, which is even that's even more incredible because that crowd, from what it sounds like, is rowdy. I mean, that's a loud crowd in there. Like, do, can you yes. feel... As you're performing, do you tweak anything based on the, like, can you feel the energy of the crowd as you're in the middle of the performance? Or are you so focused that you kind of block everything else out? There's two answers to that. I can feel the energy. Yes. If everyone's like on their feet and like excited, I can feel it. And it like pumps me up more, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, the second thing is um, I'm wearing in-ears when I perform because it's such a large stadium. So I can't necessarily hear the crowd unless they're really loud because I have the in-ears that have been like custom made for me. So I can only hear myself and uh, the backing tracks that I'm playing along with typically. Oh, so that with the in-ear things, that's so you can hear the background music so you can stay on the, the rhythm of the song? Yeah, exactly. So I have like a backing track that I perform with which is usually like beats or something. If I'm playing cover songs, then it's just like the background with like a little bit of beats in it. And 
I can hear myself in there as well. So usually I have to do a sound check a bit before so that I can get like the levels right for that. I've had it happen before where um, I wasn't wearing custom in ears <laughs> and they fell out of my ears as I was performing. So then I was oh. a little bit behind the music. Yeah, oh, not, no. not good. After that, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be getting my own in-ears. I've <laughs> done with this. Because <laughs> I, I was like so embarrassed as well. Because like, you know, you practice for so many hours leading up to it and like the performance should be perfect. And then something little like that happens. You're just like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I think oh, no. It, it, pro- it probably happened because Serafina gets after it when she's playing the violin. So I'm sure it was because of your <laughs> motion and your movement. I, I just, it was, energy, yeah. uh, was it, is that why it fell out? Well, yeah, it, they would have stayed in if I was just like in one spot, but like, obviously I'm like moving around and I was dancing around at the time. Um, I was playing on the 100 level. It was during COVID. So they weren't allowed to have uh, performances on the court. Um, oh. So I wasn't, I was in the 100s and the, like, Obviously, there were people watching and like it's all broadcast like on the big screens, right? Um, but it was a little bit different and like the sound was coming from the court, like the speakers. So when I was hearing it since the in-ears fell out, <laughs> three seconds behind or like one second behind or something. So it was, it was just not ideal. But it was <laughs> not for the whole performance. They fell out like halfway through. So... <laughs> but what that's, I mean, do? I'm sure, but it, it seems like you maintained your composure. And I'm thinking you're playing the violin. You need, it's not like you're singing and you have a free hand. You have both hands are being used. So right. you have, you can't put it back in your ear. You just have to kind of roll with the punches. Yeah. And the thing is that like, I think that I tried to put one of them back, but like it just, they just kept coming out. Like it was not, it was not ideal. Yeah. It was like, some usually the material that they give you is kind of like that foamy material as if you're wearing earplugs you know those like yeah. throwaway earplugs but this material was harder so it was just like coming out it wasn't sticking in my ear so so but you you Problems. figured it out now you need a custom now you use custom uh yeah now i got my own in, in ears and uh, we're all good custom in-ears and i officially learned <laughs> what an in-ear does and what it means i like it we're learning we're learning on this podcast. Okay. So it seems to me like, and we were laughing about this before we started recording, but it seems like you clearly found your purpose at a very young age. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily three, but it, it seems like you were very young when you realized what you love to do, which is play the violin. Do you have any advice for people that are listening that either have not found their purpose or they don't know what they're passionate about. Do you have any thoughts on what somebody can do to try to figure out what their purpose is on this planet? Well, I think the main thing is to keep trying new things because you never know what you really love until you try it, right? Maybe you love, I don't know, soccer or something and you've never tried it before. Maybe also I think that your purpose doesn't necessarily need to be your work right? It could just be a hobby. It could be something that you do like on your downtime. Maybe your purpose is like helping the elderly or something like that. I never want to stop learning and growing like as a person. And so I think that when you stop learning, that's when you start like declining. 
correct me? No, I agree. <laughs> right? So yeah. I think it's important to just keep like immersing yourself in different things. Like maybe you try like going salsa dancing or something. Maybe you find that you really like that. Maybe you travel. Maybe you find somewhere that you never knew existed. I don't know. No, I love that. I don't think you saw I, anything I posted, but I actually learned, I'm learning how to salsa dance right now and I'm horrible, oh, but I'm enjoying myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a good time. No, it's that's so a great, much fun. Yeah. It is fun. I, it is fun. Also love salsa dancing. But maybe you, you're going to do a little salsa dance while playing the violin. Is that one of the <laughs> things you're going to do? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, sometimes when I play Despacito, then I like do like a little bit of salsa moves but it's not a salsa song so that's a great song though that's a good point yeah despacito is like something that's loved by everyone all over the world i think that it was just such a like phenomenal song right it was number one for so long wasn't it yes it was that was a great (laughs) song and actually that's a great point and now you have me you have me wanting to ask a different kind of question so you clearly prepare a lot playing the instrument do you prepare where you're going to move while you're playing or is it just you feel the music and whatever your body feels like doing you do good question okay let's just say i'm performing on a big stage that i'll want to kind of prepare my movements a little bit because i want to move around the stage and use the stage like the room that i have as much as possible but other times if i'm playing at a wedding or something and I still have that room, I just kind of go with the flow because I typically kind of run around the room and like play for people as it is. And I I just like naturally want to dance when I'm playing. So just so I mean, for what it's worth, my opinion, and I'm sure those of you listening, if you check out her Instagram, you'll see this. It seems like you are just so passionate for the music that it's your authentic self and it does not look mechanical. Like it looks like you're just (laughs) flowing with the music, which I think that shows how much you love what you do. That's what it looks like to me anyways. Well, I do have like such a passion for music and typically the songs that I'm playing, I really love because most of the time I get to choose the songs. So (laughs) I I really like, I really do have a passion for what I'm playing for the most part. And since I've been playing violin since uh, like such an early age, I have just like this intense like emotions when I play violin. If I'm playing classical songs, like I can become so sad just from playing or I could become so happy or like angry or something just from a particular section because we're taught to feel the music so much as classical players because you need to like emote through the music because you can't, you're not speaking, right? Like, you need to kind of like get louder and get softer, like crescendo or decrescendo as you're performing. So that's how you show your emotions type thing. No, I, I love how into <laughs> that you're, you're getting because to a much lesser extent, because I don't play. Like, I think we can relate to you as far as music moving. I mean, I know it moves me. And like you said, yeah. it could be happy, sad, angry, mm-hmm. whatever. Like that's that's cool that you, you can sort of, so if you're if you're having a tough day, you could just play a happy song and it would lift your mood, right? Yeah, that was kind of my mom's idea was not that necessarily I would become a violinist, but that I would be able to play violin after my day at work or at school or something. And like, it would calm me and it would like bring me joy. And that's kind of, you know, it's there's total truth to that. 
Oh, that's cool. And, and yeah. it, it worked to a much larger extent than maybe she ever would have realized. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So I'm so curious. You've played in front of these huge arenas. You're clearly, you have a massive social media following. We know that. Like, what's the next level for Serafina? Like, do you have, like, what goals and dreams and aspirations do you have from here on out? Do you have some that you want to go after? Well, as you know, I do travel when I perform, but I'd love to do more traveling and performing. I'd love to do more festivals. Um, Not so much that people can learn more about me, but just so that I can bring my music and like my playing to other people and make them happy, bring them joy. Because I really do think that my purpose, right, is to um, perform for people. And that brings people joy just to like hear my playing and like see me smiling as I play. And I'd really love to do more of that. So traveling more, performing more, and I am working on a new act, which I will debut on um, July 8th for the NBA Summer League. So you guys may see some videos on on that, which is my new, my newfound hobby. So I'm not asking any other questions because I think it's on the DL, but I, July 8th, I'm definitely excited. I'm assuming you'll be, will you be sharing that on your social media or whatever the new act will be? Absolutely. As soon as I get the videos, I will be sharing them. Yes. Okay. We got to check that out. I'm yes. excited. I will be sharing the video as soon as I see something pop up. All right. Thank so you. I'm so curious to ask this, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening are wondering this too. You seem like when you put your mind to something, it happens. Like clearly there's been some big goals you've had that you've already accomplished. How do you stay focused when there seems to be more distractions than ever? And clearly your popularity is rising in a big way. (laughs) How do you remain focused on the goal amidst all this noise that is surrounding all of us? It is tough to stay focused. I, I agree with that. I think that for me, um, because I had to have discipline and like practicing at such an early age, like since I was three, obviously I was practicing violin. And when I was three, it was maybe just 20 minutes a day, but I was still daily practicing every day for like years. I was practicing up to two, three hours a day. And so I think in my life now, I just kind of tried to practice a couple hours a day if I can on whatever I'm focused on, right? I need to like focus on violin. I'll be practicing if I need to learn some new songs. Um, And I also try to work out like on a daily basis because I think for me, exercise keeps me more focused, especially when I do it early in the day. After I do a workout and I come back home, I feel like, okay, now I've got that out of the way. I can focus on whatever else I really need to accomplish in my day. And I also write lists uh, sometimes, <laughs> things, I like I need, things I need to get done um, because I do often have a lot of things to do in a day, whether it's just like a little bit of errands or a couple workouts. I just, I really try to like check things off my list. I think that's a great takeaway. Like, so do you, <laughs> I, I'm, I think this is great. Do you write the list the morning of or the night before? Um, usually the night before, obviously I use my schedule, like in my phone for things that are like performances or things like that. 
but I usually have like no paper and pen and I write down the night before things that I really need to do the next day. And then I feel accomplished checking them off. You know? Yeah, I <laughs> feel like an accomplishment, you know, even if it's something small, right? It's like, oh, that like makes you happy because like you've already done one thing. Perfect. <laughs> I'm with you 100%. As simple as you think that may sound, I think that's yeah. a great takeaway. I'm, I'm in full agreement with that. <laughs> I think that makes a ton of sense. Okay. Last question I got to ask because it just seems like with the following that you have, which is, again, it's clearly getting bigger and bigger. You've done some huge shows. How do you stay humble? And you're so down to earth. And for those that are listening, we were just chatting beforehand. I mean, just like two friends that were just BSing uh, at lunchtime. Like, how do you stay so humble amid such popularity that you have in this space? I think, honestly, I think that my family and my friends help ground me. If I didn't have them, maybe I would be like very egotistical or something. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But I think that just spending time with my family and friends really just like keeps, keeps me down to earth. And I really do think that everyone's just a person, like everyone should be treated equally. I don't think of myself as like better than anyone else just because I'm like playing violin for a lot of people, I think just everyone should be treated in the same way. I love that. And, and you, I'm glad you brought that up because we mentioned that beforehand, but I, I want to ask you now that we're recording. So you yeah. played for some huge, I mean, Usher, uh, Diana Ross, Sarah McLaughlin, Kendrick Lamar, uh, like uh, Gwen Stefani, huge names. Have you been able to stay focused and calm even when there's some big popular names in the room or have you ever got starstruck with one of them? (laughs) I think maybe when I was a little bit younger, meeting celebrities would make me a little bit starstruck. But now I think just everybody, you know, everyone's just a person. Everyone should be treated the same. I don't think that I've been starstruck lately. Anyways, <laughs> I just, I'm doing my thing. This is like what I was born to do. Um, I was born to like perform and that's what I'm doing. And like seeing someone won't really interrupt my focus. I like that. And actually it's probably the other way around. I should be asking Usher if he's starstruck <laughs> when Serafina is in the building. That's what it's like. It's flip flop. <laughs> no, I like that. That's a, that's a great answer. And we're all rooting for you. I think this is so exciting. I, please, if you're listening, check out her Instagram or Spotify or YouTube. I, I don't want to push one or the other, but I think Instagram and YouTube so they can see your energy is the okay. coolest thing in the world. Uh, okay. So at the end of every podcast episode interview, anyways, I asked three questions of everybody and I switch them up sometimes just so they don't get stale or boring but let's see what your thoughts are on these final three are you ready Serafina (laughs) yes I am all right here we go what what are you most grateful for and it could be any area of your life it doesn't have to be violin or your career it could be but it doesn't have to be what are you most grateful for I am most grateful for my health and the health of my family and friends. Yeah. 
I love that. And I love that you talked about working out because that's a huge topic on this podcast. <laughs> Hopefully everybody was listening. I love how you said that working out can ground you and even help you be more calm when you're when you're doing a performance. I think it makes a ton of sense. And, and kudos to you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. What's the biggest? Actually, I'm curious to hear how you're going to answer this. What's the biggest <laughs> obstacle you have overcome so far in and again it could be any area of life hmm. uh, biggest obstacle not a lot of people know this but I was walking and I was hit by a car when I was in university so that was kind of life-altering I'm fine now but like I have a couple of like scars and um I was injured like my shoulder and I had to do physio and stuff and that was all kind of like right before I had to go into my fourth year of university. So that was a bit life altering. And I think we never really realize how precious life is because you never know, like that could have affected me so much worse. I could have been injured so much more. Um, And I'm so grateful that I'm fine and I'm in great health now. But that was just kind of like life altering at the time. Wow, what a story. I definitely didn't know that. Do you think that experience helped you appreciate your health more now? Definitely. I think um, we never really realize like just how healthy we are and like how grateful we should be for like what we have until we don't have it anymore. Right. Yes. That's so true. That's a great answer. I'm glad I asked that (laughs) question. Thank you for sharing that too, especially if you haven't shared that a whole lot. I think it's a powerful story. Uh, that's, That's really powerful. Yeah. Um, okay. The last question is what is something that is on Serafina's bucket list? What is something you want to do in this lifetime before it's all said and done? Oh, I feel like there's so many things that I want to do. <laughs> Good. That's great. Um, you could just throw one at us or three, yeah. whatever many you want. But <laughs> honestly, I'd love to just travel more and like see more of the world. Like there's so many places that I'd love to go. I'd love to go to Asia. I'd love to see more of Europe. I'd love to go to Australia. You know, so many things, so many places to go. I have a feeling you're going to see all of those places. And we need to get Serafina to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get you in front of the NFL football team. That'd be kind of exciting. Have you ever <laughs> That'd played be awesome. Pittsburgh? Um, I don't think that I have. I'd love to, though. There we go. Yep. Add it to Serafina's bucket list. Boom. <laughs> Playing in Pittsburgh. Well, thank you for just honest answers and being willing to open up with some of these questions. And thank you for your time. I know you're probably running around or practicing. You're, you got a big uh, gig coming up July 8th at the NBA Summer League game. And we're, we're rooting for you. And we'll put in the show notes how to connect with Serafina so everybody can follow along on Instagram, YouTube, and Spotify. So thanks again, Serafina, for your time and good luck to you. Thank you so much for having me, Matt, and I hope to talk to you again. Absolutely. We'll see you all (laughs) next week on the podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, 
I am watching you. <laughs> Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker. At Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks, and I love you so much.